All right, if you have a Bible with you, uh, I want to invite you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind us. Uh, but I'm just so glad that we could gather together this morning uh, for everyone that's here. I love getting together. I love putting myself in a place where God can speak to me, uh, God can challenge me, and I can actually try to look more like the person that God created me to be. Like, that's my hope every day, and I know that uh, Sundays for me is a time where I can gather together with other believers, and they can challenge me, they can encourage me, and, and hopefully the result is that I'm looking more and more like what God wants me to look like. Uh, we're continuing in our series today, uh, we're in the third week uh, of one called From Me to We. From Me to We. So the idea of the series is this, we consider ourselves to be a church family. All right, a line that you hear often when you come to our church is this. Uh, we are a church family, but we are always expecting guests. And what it means is this. We want to have a close community. We want to try and have a community that, that even looks like the early church in the book of Acts and feels like a family. But the, the downside of that can sometimes be if you get such a close community that's so focused on each other that someone new walks in and they feel like they're not part of that family. Right, like I remember one time walking into my friend's house when I was a kid, and they were in the middle of dinner, and I was like six years old. They lived a couple houses down, and I remember this just awkward feeling of walking in, even though I was close. This was my best friend, close with their family, but walking into this family that was having a dinner together, everyone seated at the table, and just feeling like even in that moment, like I'm not part of this family. Even though I'm really close or I know some of these people, like I wasn't part of it, and we don't want that. We want to have a close community. We want to feel like a family. But we always want to be expecting guests. So kind of what this series has done is we've said, well, what does it mean to be a church family? All right, are, are we a church family just because we say that? Or are we a family because we gather for 75 minutes once a week? Or is it more than that? Does it actually take us doing something, actively being part of something to be a church family? So last week, we looked at the idea of how families have disagreements all right, but at the end of the day, we are still family. So we need to know, how do we handle disagreements? How do we handle conflict? And we need to be able to do this in a healthy way. Like, we have to be able to approach conflict in a healthy way. Uh, conflict is guaranteed in your life. Healthiness is not. All right, so if you didn't get a chance to be here last week, I would encourage you, uh, go back and take a listen to it. It's just kind of an idea of, like, this is how the world handles conflict, but that's not how we are called to do it. We are called to a higher standard. This is how we, as a church, handle conflict. Which brings us to today, uh, and this will be, I, I think, the second to the last week in the series. And I say I think because I, I've loved this series. It's just kind of been, God, what are you putting on my heart? God, what do you want to speak to our church right now? What do you want to do? And, and it's, it hasn't actually even gone in the directions that I thought that it would every single week. And I'm not going to necessarily put an end date on this series because I want to say, God, whatever you have for us, keep speaking. We want to hear it. All right, so I, I love when we, feel, when we can just kind of take moments like this as a church uh, and feel like God is just guiding our conversations. Uh, so I want us to get ready for God to continue to guide our, us this morning. Uh, let's be sensitive to his voice and be ready to be challenged. So if you are willing, if you are able, uh, can we stand just across the room as we get started this morning? Uh, I want to read the passage that we're going to look at, and then let's just pray together. So this is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. We're starting just right at the beginning of the chapter, verse 1. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christ. 
I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? God, I pray this morning, Lord, if we've heard this scripture before, that we would, we would just have new uh, things that we see this morning, Lord, that you would speak to us in new ways and that we'd be challenged because of it, that we'd be changed. We'd be changed at our heart, not just a superficial change, but something that truly is deep inside of us. God, we just ask this in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So there was a, a study that was done recently based on, uh, well, it was finished recently, but it, it spanned it a long time. It was based on seven different surveys that were done nationally of eight million teenagers over several decades dating back to the 70s. All right, I love studies like this because lots of times we're like, all right, let's study something for like a month. And then we're like, look at all these things we found. And it's like, this is like, what is that, like 50 years of studying things, of surveys and this. Uh, and they're gathering data that was a, is an expansive effort to really try to get a good representation of what is going on in teenagers' lives. All right, that's a million dollar question that I think all of us would want to know. Like, what is going on in teenagers' heads? What is going on in teenagers' lives? Like, this is an unknown world to most of us. Uh, and what this study found is that teenagers uh, are actually taking longer and longer to enter adulthood. This means that many of the responsibilities that teens used to do in the 70s, 80s, 90s aren't happening at the same time today. All right, now some of you are, are in here already nodding your head. You're like, yes, I am aware. I did a lot more work as a teenager than what my kids are doing, all right? Today's 18-year-olds uh, really are living more like what a 15-year-old used to live like. So as young teens act more like children once did, young adults are acting more like teenagers once did. Now, in some ways, this can actually be a good thing, all right? This, this isn't just completely negative. Understand that both uh, underage drinking and when they are first having sex is actually also being delayed. That's later than what it was. Um, which is a great thing uh, as we kind of look at this. And it's, but it's, it's more than just that as well. Uh, there are some disadvantages to delaying these things. All right, like things like when they get their first job is being delayed. Now, whether that's a disadvantage or not, that's, that's up for debates and probably up for really just debate in your family. Like, what do you want to see your kids doing? Um, but when kids get driver's license, it's becoming later and later. All of these things that were kind of rites of passage or just kind of things that, that a normal teenager would do are being delayed longer and longer. Overall, this points to adolescents staying younger in their mind. They are staying younger. Um, and the nice thing is, is instead of a live fast, die young approach that I think maybe some of you even in the room had as a teenager, like, all right, I'm going to live this life and we're going to have fun. Um, it's much more of a, a safer, slower approach to life. Now, obviously, the major disadvantage is that young adults are becoming less and less prepared for the demands that are typically placed on someone in their late teens and early 20s. And, and this, I, I, I think we, we've seen this in different things. People are arriving at college unprepared for what they would need to do. They're arriving at their first job, whether that's out of college or out of high school, and they just, they don't feel quite as prepared as what they, they would like to be. All right, and I don't think this is, 
incredibly shocking to a lot of us in the room. Like this is a trend that I think we've kind of seen from a distance, but now they actually have some data that is showing this. Um, and, and, you know, when a group decides to stay young and not step into the traditional roles and they aren't carrying certain responsibilities that were once expected of them, it, it impacts everybody. It doesn't just affect them. It actually affects everybody around them as well. Uh, it affects anyone who is part of their system. So think about your typical family. Think about your family. All right, if a member in that family decides they don't want to do what's expected of them, it impacts everybody. As a teenager, if I was told, you need to do the dishes, and I just decide I'm not going to do the dishes, eventually the kitchen is going to get messy, right? And dishes are going to get stacked up. And then eventually no one else is actually even going to be able to eat because there's not clean plates to eat off of. Like, when you choose not to do certain responsibilities, it affects more than just you. All right, I promise this message is not about ragging on teenagers and and young adults, all right? That's not at all what this is. But what we see happening in our world uh, is something that, that Paul actually had happening in early church. Ooh, that was crazy. Paul had happening in the early church, and I think it actually is still happening in the church today uh, in a different way. So I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 3 again, uh, but I want to set this up for the context of what has been happening here in this part of the letter that we read. All right, so there were people in the church in Corinth who were arguing they had conflict. We saw that in that passage. Uh, and they were arguing over who the person was that discipled them. And then basically, who are they following? Who is their leader? Who is their favorite person? All right? And uh, people were saying that they followed Paul. And other people were saying that they followed a guy named Apollos. Others said that they followed Peter. And then you have like the super Christians that wait till the end and give the best answer, and they say, well, I just follow Christ. And everyone else is like, oh, man, that's a better answer. No, so like they're like arguing over, like, who do I follow? Who's the person that really poured into me? Uh, and all these different things. And, and where this is coming from was the Christians in Corinth, they actually saw themselves as like super mature Christians. And with this, everyone was wanting to feel more mature. So what do you do? If you want to feel more mature, you can't always just elevate yourself. What's easier is to push other people kind of down or to find things to argue about that this shows my maturity. So what these Christians in Corinth were doing is they're saying, I am more mature because I am following this person. Oh yeah, well, I'm more mature because I'm following Apollo. So I'm more mature because I just follow Christ. And you can kind of see this, this conflict that's happening, this disagreement. Um, and, and they start forming these factions when they're disagreeing and they're arguing and fighting over things. Because when you're truly smart, you want to prove it to everybody else. You want to be seen as smart. So they want to do this, everything on display. So while Paul is annoyed with this, uh, and he actually kind of starts laying into them a little bit. So I want us to look at this passage in this context now, all right? So it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to the world or as though you were infants in Christ. Now, Paul kind of was there at the beginning of this. He is training people up from scratch. So this is not a negative as he speaks against them. This portion right here. He's saying, no, I get it. I was teaching you for the basics from the beginning. And I was building you up. I was discipling you. He says, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. 
But then it goes here and he says, and you still aren't ready. So Paul was with them. It's thought about a year and a half. And this is thought to maybe be about another year and a half later. So three years after Paul started discipling them, he's like, you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? So he's saying, I, I was training you up. I was discipling you. I was there when you were immature. I gave you basic ideas. That's okay. That's how this works. And then Paul left and these people start thinking they're smart. And they get into these little debates about how smart they are and how mature they are. But in reality, the thing that they think proves how mature they are is actually proving how immature they are. They wear it as a badge of pride and honor and maturity, and Paul says that very badge you are wearing is actually proving how immature you are. And it's, it's kind of this moment that he just he speaks to them. And I think we have something similar happening in our modern Western church today. All right, we talked in the first week about an idea of, of a consumer Christian. A consumer Christian uh, is someone who is just in it for themselves. They, they want whatever they can get out of it. The church exists to serve them and their desires, and when their desires are no longer met, they're going to move on and go to a new church. They just sit there. They don't do anything. They just consume, consume, consume. It's a consumer Christian. Well, I think there's an even more dangerous subset of a consumer Christian, and I'm going to call them a critic Christian. All right? Both the consumer Christian and the critic Christian, they sit back, they don't do anything, they both are inactive in the church, but the critic Christian actually has a different reason for it. See, they walk into a church and they look at everything, they take it all in, and they come up with all the things that they see wrong with the church. They walk out of the church with a list of these are all the things that are wrong with this church. All the reasons why the church isn't doing as well as it could. All the things that, that they would change if they were the one that was in charge. Right? You following this? You kind of get like what, what this is. Well, I know why the church isn't growing. It's because the music isn't modern enough. The lighting isn't good enough. The preaching isn't culturally relevant enough. You know, that's one side of it. You can swing the pendulum the other way. As, or the other end is, the music is too loud, the lighting is too dark, and the preaching isn't expository style. And you have these arguments on both sides, and everyone's like, this is why the church isn't growing. And they sit back, and they watch everything, and they take it in, and they're just critical of it. You know, pick your poison here. Both of these are just as immature as each other. And actually, I think that the critic Christian is more dangerous than just the consumer Christian. That's because the critic Christian actually thinks that they are spiritually mature. And that's why they're able to see these things. That's why they know how the church should be ran. That it stems from a place of being spiritually mature. You're starting to see the parallel here with this verse in Corinthians. Let's, let's think about that church in Corinth again. You know, they're thinking they're, they're smart, and that's why they can argue about it. Paul says that their arguing actually proves their immaturity. And when it comes to Christians who are critical, that mindset is not proving how mature they are, that they can look at a church and say, this is what's wrong with it. It's actually proving how immature they are. When it comes to Christians who are always critical, this mindset isn't, it's not proving that maturity. 
Because when you sit back and you critique everything, you're disengaged and you aren't doing anything. You're not taking any responsibility. They're actually staying disengaged just like an immature believer would. Because mature believers would see something wrong. They would step in. They would want to be a part of it. They would want to guide it. They would want to steer it. They would want to talk about it, problem solve, work with others. That's what a mature believer would do. They would say, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to make this church my own. I'm going to get in here and, and let's make this be what it's supposed to be. Immature believers would sit on the outside pointing fingers. So if you're taking notes today, I want to give you this uh, to remember. This is kind of our, our main takeaway here today, and that's this. Responsibility cultivates maturity. And actually, maturity creates opportunities for responsibility. Our responsibility is both the cause and the result of maturity. Think about this. Think about a time where you were handed a massive responsibility or a task, and it maybe was something that you weren't ready for. All right, and you're like, there's no way I can handle this. This could be at work, this could be at home, this could be whatever it is. And you're handed this responsibility, and you feel that weight. All right, now fast forward. You're going to come out the other side with greater experience, greater knowledge, greater wisdom, more maturity. Even if you fail. We understand that, right? Like, even if you fail in your responsibility. Like, you were supposed to put on this big event, and it just was a flop. Have you grown in maturity through that responsibility? Absolutely. Now you know how not to do it. <laughs> like you've grown through this process. And now think about this. The more mature you become, the more responsibilities you are going to be handed. Right? So responsibility cultivates maturity. Maturity is going to result in more responsibilities. Responsibility and maturity are so linked together. So if we have a problem in our life with immaturity, the answer is responsibilities. That, that's how we move forward with this. When a child is growing up, as they get older, you give them more household chores. All right, like as they're going, you give them more chores, you give them more difficult chores, and that is how they kind of grow and learn how to take care of themselves. You're giving them more responsibility, and this helps that process of maturing. Now, maturing doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. Paul was talking about a baby being fed milk versus an older child getting solid foods. Uh, Emily and I have three kids, and I've been part of this process of giving kids new foods. All right, And most of the time, you don't jump straight from milk to solid food. It's not like, okay, you had milk yesterday. Today, we have ribeye for dinner. So let's, let's jump into this, right? Like there, there is a process of this. Maybe there's baby food. If there's not baby food, there's at least like softer food that is mushed up in these different things. All right, and, and something as I was thinking through this, there is a dual responsibility in changing the diet. The responsibility actually lands on two groups. The parent, the one who is charged with helping them grow, needs to recognize when it is the right time to help them mature, to change the food, to change the delivery method, encourage in the proper way, all right? And sometimes it's the parent's job to even withhold what they want to, to force them to have what they need, right? Like they're like, no, I just, I want to keep eating what I've been eating. No, you need to move beyond that. You need to eat this. I'm going to wait until you get hungry enough that you eat this. You know, and that's kind of the, the parent's role. But at the end of the day, 
If the child does not want to eat the new food and refuses to move on from milk, there is not much that you can do. All right, like you, you can hold out and you can wait till they get incredibly hungry, but I have, I have forced a spoonful of mashed peas into a kid's mouth before. And the amount of times that it actually then stays in said mouth is very small. Usually it's back on me. It's on them. It somehow shoots out their nose. You know, you're just like, what is happening here? If they don't want to take on that responsibility, they don't want to grow, they don't want to have new food, they won't do it. When it comes to growing maturity in the family of Christ and in our church, there is a dual responsibility. As a pastor, I need to recognize when someone should be moving along in spiritual maturity. And that's any leader in the church, for that matter. This is not just a pastor's role, right? Like, we are not a a pastoral-driven church where everything is me and that's what we're doing. If you are in leadership in the church, part of your role is to recognize when people need to grow and to help them find the ways to do that. We should be helping, guiding people into more responsibility. But more importantly, as a Christian, you need to want to gain maturity. You have to desire to grow. If you don't have a desire to grow, it doesn't matter what anyone else does. You will stay in the same spot for years and years and years. And pretty soon you'll be in a church for a couple decades. And everything seems to be the same. And and Everyone else's life, they seem to be liking this more than you. And you're like, I don't know, it's just kind of the same old, same old. Because you, you don't have a desire to grow. You don't have a desire to be moving forward in your walk with Christ. In the same way that our nation is having an issue with younger people not maturing, not taking on responsibility, and not being ready for what is coming in life, we have an American church that is doing the same. We have churches that are filled with Christians who have just been delaying the growth They've been declining responsibilities. We have churches that are filled with immature believers, consumer Christians, critic Christians, Christians who think they're mature, but their very approach to church and the body of Christ is actually proving their immaturity. So we've been posing this question in this series. How do we become a church family? Does it just happen by showing up on Sunday mornings? No, it doesn't. That's not how we become a church family. We can't can't sit in the same room for 75 minutes and expect that that makes us a close community. You know, I guess maybe someone could argue, I'm part of the family, but realize that that means that you're probably that family member that everyone is annoyed with. All right, the, the one that never lifts a finger, the one that's just kind of the freeloader who lets everyone else do everything, shows up on Sundays to just kind of consume or critique. All right, and guess what? You, if that's you, like you are the equivalent of the millennial that is living in the basement of their parents playing video games and not working a job. All right, we hear that stereotype all the time. Trust me, I'm a millennial. I hear that stereotype all the time. All right, if you are a, a believer that, that considers this to be your family, considers this to be your home, and, and you just come and just kind of sit and consume and critique, like that is you. You are the millennial on the couch playing video games. We need to, we need to grow in maturity. That's in the same way in life, like if a child is stunted in their growth and in their development, 
pretty soon there are serious issues that start cropping up and things have to be dealt with. And pretty soon, many, many times, maybe, maybe someone has to go on like kind of a different path from what everyone else is to get them back on track. And we're having this happen in our churches all across our nation. And we have people that they've just they've been consuming, they've been critiquing, and they just aren't growing. They aren't growing closer to God. They aren't growing uh, in spiritual maturity. So what does this all mean for us? Worship team, you guys could come back up. I want to pose a question to you. All right, here's a question for every single one of us in the room to spend some time just kind of reflecting on. Here's a question. What responsibilities do you have in this family? What responsibilities do you have in this family? All right, if you weren't here would there be areas of our family that would be hurting? Okay, if you didn't come through on your responsibilities, would we have the dishes piled up in the kitchen and no clean plates to eat on? This is metaphorically, obviously. All right. Like, is there something where the ball would be dropped because you're not here? And this is going to be a very telling question for you. This is not meant to, uh, to guilt anybody. This is not meant to shame anybody. This is not meant to, to push you away. This is meant just purely as a reflection to say, am I part of this family? Am I part of this family? Do I have responsibility? Am I growing because of this responsibility? Now, I realize that there's going to be people in the room that maybe, maybe you're newer to the church. Maybe it's even your first time here today. All right, again, don't take this as a guilt trip or like next week we have you on the schedule for nursery for the next six months, right? Like that, don't worry, that's not happening. <laughs> it's not about just like divvying out tasks and making people work and things like that, all right? Like it's more than that. But I think it's worth considering, like is this... If, it is, if you're newer here, is, is this a family you want to be part of? If the answer is yes, then it's like, okay, how do, I, how do I actually engage? How do I be part of this? Because it's easy to, to go to a church and kind of sit there, and pretty soon, like two, three, four years goes by, and you're still feeling like you're the new person there. You still feel like you're the outsider of the family. And I think that there are some people that, in some ways, they've been here maybe even for decades, and it's like, I don't know if I'm really doing anything in this family. You know, then you always get the excuse, like, I put in my time. Okay, let me tell you this. There's no retirement from God's kingdom. All right? Like, there's, there's no age where you age out. All right? Like, th this is something we keep doing. We keep doing this in our life. And we want mature believers. We want people who are growing, who are passionate, who are moving closer to the person that God wants us to be. All right, And I want you to be passionate about the life that God has called you to. I want you to wake up feeling like you have purpose and that you matter and that you are a valued part of this family. So what responsibilities do you have? 
Do you have enough responsibilities? Maybe you are a small part of that small group that actually has too many responsibilities. You know, the 20% kind of doing 80% of the work type of idea. Like, there are times where we have to actually relinquish some things so that there are responsibilities for other people. Every single one of us, we, we need to grow. We need to be maturing so that someday we can move from milk to that nice, delicious steak. Right? Like, that's what we want. I can't imagine if I still were stuck on, like, baby food. That. I was the parent that definitely tried the different baby food we gave them. It was nasty, okay? Like, I, I can imagine still eating that every single day, like, when I wake up. Like, and yet we do that to ourselves spiritually. We do. And then we walk away from church and the God because it doesn't impact us. It doesn't matter in our life. And the reality is, it's like, yeah, because you're eating baby food. Like, do something that's actually going to matter in your life, that's going to carry some weight, you can't say this isn't sustaining me as you're eating something that you were never meant to eat. So I want us to kind of think about this question, but then really kind of the next step of it is this. What responsibilities can you take on in this family? All right, and, and again, maybe you don't have any, you can't think of any because you're new. But maybe you want to. I would say, talk with me. I would, I would love to talk with you. Maybe you don't have any, and it's actually my fault, leadership's fault, because we haven't given you any. Maybe you've been sitting here for a while, and you're like, I don't know what to do. No one's talking to me about this. All right, and, and, and either one of those are you. Talk to me. Talk to someone who's in leadership in the church. We want to get you involved. But I want us, can we just do this? Can we stand across the room? As we kind of just say, God, Where am I at in this? And, and I want to challenge in another way. It's easy for us to just kind of show up here and there and kind of be that consumer, but build relationships and feel like I'm part of the family, but just not really doing anything. Like, what are, what are we actually doing? And this isn't, again, so that we can get rid of tasks and delegate things away. The reason why we feel so strongly about this is because this is how you mature. I'm failing as a pastor if we aren't stepping into responsibility. Not because my job is to find a bunch of little minions to run around and do a bunch of stuff. Because our job is to train, equip, resource, grow, mature people. And this is a massive part of it. So I want us, worship team is just going to kind of spend some time singing just the chorus of a song. I want us, you can sing along if you want, but I want us to be thinking about where are we at in this? What responsibilities do you have right now? And which ones could you be picking up if your first list is too short? All right, let's let's sing. So I want to give us an accountability step here. If you're here with someone today, I'm giving the person that's here with you complete permission to now ask you as we leave here today, okay, what responsibilities do you have?
What responsibilities do you need to step into? If you aren't here with somebody today, I would encourage you, have this conversation with somebody. Message me. Find somebody to talk to and just say, like, I, I want to be part of something. I want to grow. I'm not satisfied just being where I am and the status quo. I want to keep growing and moving forward. So I want to, I want to just kind of pray over all of us in the room that this is a step that we would just begin to feel. This is a step that we would want to be taking. Because again, if it's not something that you desire, it doesn't matter what I do or what the person next to you does. Growing in maturity, there, there's a choice that is part of this. So God, I pray right now, Lord, just for every single one of us. God, that we would never stop growing. Lord, that we have not attained this idea of spiritual maturity. We have not reached a place where we are good, where we don't need to grow anymore. So God, I pray that for every single one of us in the room, Lord, that we would know what our next step is. God, and that you would just give us a heart that actually desires to take that next step and isn't satisfied with just staying where we are. God, that you would just challenge us in this. Put something on our heart and don't take it away. Just leave it there until the point where we are so annoyed that, that we haven't taken this step that we just feel like we have to just so that we can stop re thinking about this thing that we should be doing. So God, I, I pray that you would just put that on every single one of our hearts this week. Before we close for today, I want to do one last thing. If you're here today and you feel like, you know what, I, I've never even taken a first step. Like you're talking about Paul working with these people way back when, when they're learning the basics and they're being fed milk. And, and, and you're here today and you're like, I think that's where I am. This is new to me. I don't know what's going on, but I want to. I want to take a step in this direction. I want to start this path. I want to start to move down this road. And you want to give your life to Jesus today. You want to say, I want him to be the one that I'm following, him to be the one that is leading me. If that's you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. We're not going to point you out. We're not going to embarrass you, anything like that. But again, like we said, this, this is a choice. Nobody's forcing anybody. No one's, we're not trying to manipulate anybody. This is a choice that at some point you have to make. So if that's you this morning and you're here, I want to ask, would you just slip your hand up? If, if you want to start this relationship with God, you feel like you haven't done this before. Yeah. If you want to take this step or you feel like there's like a wrestling that's happening inside you, like, should I be doing this? Should I not? I would love to sit down and talk with you. I'd love to answer any questions you might have. Sometimes the worst thing we can do is, is just jump headfirst into something that we, we have no idea what we're actually doing. So I'd love to sit down and talk with you. Can we do this? Can we just, can we close in prayer together this morning? 
And I, I want this not just to be a closing prayer, like we're sitting down praying for food and it's just like a routine thing. I want right now, every single one of us, as I pray, I want you to be praying and just asking God to help you walk down this path of maturity, whatever that looks like. So God, this morning, Lord, we just trust you. Lord, and we want to take a step closer to you. We want to look more like the person you want us to be. God, but we, we need your guidance, your direction as we take this step. We don't want to walk in the wrong way. So Lord, I pray that this week, that right now, this afternoon, this evening, as we go about our things, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us. God, that you would put things on our heart and that we would be sensitive to that. We would respond to that. God, that we would actually take action and we would we'd begin to grow and we would, we would take on more responsibility in your kingdom. God, not just responsibility of doing something inside of a building, but God, responsibility for the growth of your kingdom in this world. So God, speak to us this week. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for being here today. You guys are dismissed.